This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, Southeast Asia is seeing a new wave of COVID-19 cases and deaths, with vaccination rates still relatively low. With the sole exception of Singapore, this has triggered a wave of lockdowns as well. The streets of Chiang Mai in northern Thailand were deserted over the weekend. I just got a bunch of pictures. Malaysia is going into a lockdown as we speak. In Vietnam, a new hybrid of two variants has been detected which may spread more swiftly through the air. In Myanmar, where the health system is in collapse, in a state that is itself near collapse, conflict has created thousands of new internally displaced persons or IDPs, living in jungles or fleeing across borders to neighboring countries. Now, to shed some light on this worrying situation and what may lie ahead, I am joined today from Kuala Lumpur by Dr. Abhishek Rimal, who is Regional Emergency Health Coordinator at the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, the IFRC. And joining us from Singapore is Dr. Dale Fisher, Group Chief of Medicine at NUHS, which is the National University Health System. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. So, Dr. Rimal, if I may start with you, when you look at Southeast Asia, where do the big risk factors lie? What is worrying you right now? And is there adequate cognizance and response? Okay, as you, we all know, like entire South Asia is now in the grip of the second wave of COVID-19. And now we are slowly seeing the warning sign in Southeast Asia where we can see an immense rise of COVID-19 cases. We have seen that in, in, in Malaysia, the cases have reached to 9,000 cases. Thailand is also showing an increase in case. So as the countries which is along the Mekong Belt, that is Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. At the same time, the country like Myanmar is now facing a double crisis. They are having civil unrest on the face of the COVID-19. All this situation in South East Asia is really worrying and is a stark reminder like if we if the public health measures are not implemented fully we will be seeing similar cases like South Asia in this sub-region as well. Dr. Fisher your thoughts on that as well specifically on the response side of things and in particular are we on the right track with all these lockdowns that we are seeing? Thanks Nirmal. So the strategy of a lot of these let, let me go back a step there's really been two major mechanisms for disease prevention uh, throughout the outbreak. That is the, the public health uh, response measures, which, which we're very familiar with. This is the, uh, the, the testing, the, the contact tracing, the isolation of positive cases, quarantine of, of contacts, all these types of things that uh, the, the public is very well familiar with now. But almost invariably across the world, that these haven't been enough. The disease has been too transmissible. The time between cases has been too short. And, and often contact tracing hasn't kept up with the, with the cases. Uh, now, of course, we've got vaccines. So that changes things a little bit and, and more so in cases that in countries that have got good vaccine rates. Now, in East Asia, of course, we've added uh, strict border controls to that mechanism. And these have served many countries very well. 
including the countries that you're talking about. But it's like one by one, the borders have been breached. We started with Malaysia towards the end of last year, which had really had virtually no cases till till I think the the third quarter of last year. Uh, And we've seen the same thing in Cambodia, Laos, uh, Vietnam's had a couple of small humps that they've managed to bring it back to zero. Um, uh, Thailand was was very strong for for most of last year. And of course, Taiwan most most recently had its borders breached and it's now running at three or 400 cases a day. So what we're seeing is the borders being breached and now these countries are facing what other countries have had to face last year with going back to those public health measures mixed with the social restrictions yet with that wonderful knowledge that vaccine is is on the horizon. So Dr. Rimal, your thoughts on uh, these public health measures as well, how would you say grade countries in the region in terms of efficiency of lockdowns and border security, biosecurity at borders? We do know that lockdowns to be effective must be swift and targeted. Has that been the case? So as far as the lockdown is put into place, We have seen different types of lockdown across the um, Southeast Asia, like many governments do not want to put a full lockdown as a measure because it will hit their economy very bad. And it's a very bitter pill to swallow whether we want to have a very strict lockdown where people stay at home, several businesses are closed and people who are on the daily economy really suffers. But at the same time, it has been more and more evident that these type of lockdowns had become necessary when we are seeing a steep rise of cases in several countries. So that like when when the health system comes to the brink of collapse, so the many countries have no option than putting these type of strict lockdowns so that they can bring down the COVID-19 case and break the chain of transmission. On top of that, like Southeast Asia, like they are trying to put a very strict measures on, on the border control, not outside the country, even within the countries like interstate, inter-district travels have been also restricted in several countries. In the Ho Chi Minh, the entire city has come into standstill. In Malaysia, we cannot go to the different states. And this has been cases in several countries across the Southeast Asia, stating that there are also some porous nature of the border where people can just go from one country to another just by crossing the borders where the borders are attached that it is within the ASEAN, etc. So these are the certain factors that has also propelled sometime when the people and the individual do not respect the standard operating procedures that the government has been requesting for the people to follow to maintain their public health measures to utmost level what has been um, suggested by the government when people are tired and sick of following these and put down their guards that is the time when virus gets the entry and just flourish like a bushfire across the population. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. So, Dr. Fisher, 
The big bang solution, as we know, is vaccination. In this respect, Singapore, where you are, is slightly better off than the rest of the region. I think close to 30% of the population is fully vaccinated. The rest, with the exception of Cambodia, are still at less than 5%. How concerning is this? And as long as vaccination lags, will periodic waves sort of course through populations and potentially cross borders? Are we facing a really prolonged scenario here? It's certainly going to make it harder for countries with low vaccination rates. As as I mentioned, there's really three arms to controlling disease spread. You've got the public health uh, measures. You've got the social restrictions, which at at the extreme are the the lockdowns. And then you've got vaccination. And if, if your vaccinations are still in single digit, then really it's not playing a part. And, and as you point out, Singapore is, is about 28 point something percent uh, have, are fully vaccinated and 37 percent have had one jab. And in, in our latest series of clusters, we're definitely seeing the benefits of that because one cluster was in a hospital, one was in frontline workers at, uh, at Changi Airport. And, and these are people that have been much more vaccinated. They're probably more up in the 80 plus percent. So yeah, it certainly makes it harder. And I know those countries want to get more vaccinated. I know WHO wants to vaccinate them. The COVAX facility is there to vaccinate them. And uh, yeah, if there was anything I could do, I, I would certainly um, uh, you know, advocate for allowing these countries having a new influx of, of cases to somehow access vaccine more effectively. Interesting. Uh, Dr. Ribald, you mentioned briefly Myanmar, so did I at the, at the top. How concerned are you about COVID among IDPs in Myanmar? We have seen exploding numbers of IDPs in Chin State in particular recently from where they are living in the jungle. They can easily cross into Northeast India as well. Is this another aspect in which what is going on in Myanmar will spill over beyond its borders? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing in Myanmar is really concerning. Like, as I said, Myanmar is at this point is suffering from a double disaster or a double crisis. One of this political instability where, and second is around the face of COVID-19. The several country who is bordering Myanmar is putting some measures to, to control this influx of COVID-19 by setting up the screening facility, by setting, setting up the hospital, uh, to set up the quarantine facilities, etc. But if there will be a large influx of these IDPs moving around, and at, that will be the point where all these public health measures plus the social distancing will be tested. And it is high likely like it, the, there can be a new cluster of COVID-19 that can come through these, uh, the movement of migrants from one country to another. Hence, it is very, very important that the, all the public health measures, screening, quarantine, isolation at the border area is absolutely essential and at the same time the humanitarian needs uh, of the, the for the people of Myanmar need to be scaled up at this point if we don't want to see a very disastrous uh, health situation in the country right dr fisher a quick last word from you if i may um, a lot of these countries in the region were as as we pointed out were less affected just a matter of months ago from where you sit are you Optimistic? Do you see the glass as half full or half empty, given this you know, new waves, new wave that is coursing through the region? Yeah, I think it could vary between countries. I think there's several uh, advantages 
where they sit at the moment. There's certainly a, a year and a half more experience than than they had over Europe and countries there. So so just understanding how to respond, the uh, the, the public health measures, the importance of, of good implementation, the importance of getting the public buy-in and the public trust. And, and in some ways, that's possibly going to be easier in Asia uh, than, than in sort of Western democracies, if you like. I think knowing that the vaccine is coming also helps people make sacrifices such as lockdown to to when, when countries were locking down last year, it was sort of like a, a tunnel where you couldn't see the end. But at least at least now countries know that uh, even though they're, they're still at low vaccination numbers, they know that if they can get through the next 12 months, then there is uh there is an endpoint. So I think these countries will have to balance the social, economic and health impact uh, over the next six or 12 months until they can get their vaccination rates up. But uh, I'm an optimistic person, generally, normal. So, uh, so I, I hope most of them uh, do very well without, without having to suffer the health or, or social or economic uh, devastation that other countries have seen last year. That's good to hear. Dr. Fisher, Dr. Rimal, thank you both for a fascinating discussion. Good luck and stay well out there. So the next two to three weeks are really going to be a critical phase for Southeast Asia. And as we know, the ultimate solution is to step up vaccination. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.